This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 403, recorded on May 23rd, 2019. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that finally news reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average Guide Out TV studios here in a stormy mic. We, it is the, it's like, I think we, I think we had um, severe w- uh, weather, like uh, warnings just come in. So we do. Yeah. We have them until midnight tonight. So yeah. if, if the show all goes down, you know why. Got some That's true. I haven't heard any lightning. We had some, we had a storm come through early um, this evening. The Big Ten is doing their college, uh, the, the baseball championship series is going on at uh, TD Ameritrade Park here in town. I know they had to stop for a second and then come back in and after the storm uh, came through. Certainly, we have not been getting the weather of our friends down in the central plains down there in Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, lots of flooding. It is It has been serious weather down there. So if you've been affected by the floods or just too much water uh, down there, uh, so sorry um, for you. And uh, it's it's just that time of year. And, of course, so we in the Midwest are kind of used to this, but uh, it can be kind of jarring. So be safe. Make sure you're using all your technology this time of year, especially in the Plains, to uh, track the weather. Of course, we post the show with world-class show notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv. And there will be a few tonight. You can also join us live on our mobile app. Don't forget to download, and you can get it for free. We thank our Patreon supporters who do that for us every single month, and we appreciate what you guys do. HomeGadgetGeeks.com, you can download that iPhone, Android, have it available. Best way to listen on the road or if you have limited bandwidth, or you can do it live on Thursday nights. It'll pop up and be available there, but best way to get that, HomeGadgetGeeks.com. I want to thank everybody as well who's joined us in our Discord group. Mike, that thing has been doing pretty well, and it kind of goes in waves, right? Yeah. Bunch of activity, then kind of nothing, bunch of activity. I think until we get maybe to the 200 number don't you think it'll probably be kind of off and on yeah and we get these spikes you can tell when people start to listen to the podcast over the weekend or on monday we'll get a lot of people to join on that sunday monday time frame and a lot of good conversations still going on out there people are still posting great stuff it's been great having the different categories so find a category that you're interested in and go and and uh, speak your mind and chat Join us in the Discord group. Uh, my daughter, Samantha, see, we call her Sammy, I-E, if you're going to spell it. Don't mess that up. She will Yeah, absolutely, then you won't be able to find me on Twitter. <laughs> she will absolutely crush you. We um, we were going to have her on last week, but uh, moved it to this week. And Sammy, welcome to your first Home Gadget Geeks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy good. to be here. Let's, um, let's get to know you a little bit. Like most of the folks who listen to Home Gadget Geeks have heard me talk about you. I probably talk about you more on the... Gallup podcast that I do, not as much here, but a lot of family stories. I'm sure you've been mentioned a dozen or so. Uh, but tell us, uh, kind of tell us where you're at in school and what you're studying. So this fall, I'll be a junior at Northwest Missouri State, and I'm studying my full major is mass media and multimedia journalism, which is just journalism for the most part. Um, I work for the Northwest Missourian this fall. I will be the campus news editor. And that's, yeah, con- that's a promotion. Congratulations yeah, on that. You. It's always nice for dad to hear his daughter uh, gets promoted. I uh, had a friend at work call you the editor in chief. So you got that promotion <laughs> as <wish>. well. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that's not necessarily true. Jen said uh, in her mind, you will always be the editor in chief. That's um, super kind of her. 
journalism is under attack, like especially mm. here in the United States, right? For I mean, sure. it's just a crazy time to be a journalist. Why would, why, why would you want to be a journalist in 2019? I mean, uh, this has been a passion of yours for a while. You wrote for the school newspaper when you were in high school. Why journalism? I came to journalism in a kind of roundabout way, but I've always, at the heart of it for me, is storytelling. I've always been interested in stories. I read a lot as a kid. I love movies. I love TV shows. Uh, I now love podcasts. And I, when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be a novelist, but I never had the the patience for that. And I just didn't, like long form didn't appeal to me in my, the way that I think and the way that I write. But I kind of stumbled into journalism through a series of classes in high school and just really fell in love with it, with getting to interact with real people and tell their stories and get into what the world is actually like. Because sometimes it can feel like you live in a bubble when you stay in one town for as long as I've lived in Bellevue. So I just I, I kind of fell into it that way and fell in love with it. And I love I've loved it ever since I've been doing it for four or five years now. And I just it's a challenge. But I love it and I love every single story that I learn something through it and that I get to meet so many people. Tech has disrupted the news world. For so, sure. You know, papers like newspapers around the country, maybe around the world, are struggling to to just have enough subscribers. They're having to change to print. I mean, they're having to change to go completely online. If you go to an online newspaper today, it's just a mess. Like there's, they have to push so many ads your way to yeah. even have it make sense. How do you feel? I mean, going into knowing in a couple of years, you're going to graduate and you've got to, you know, you got to get a job to help me pay those student loans that you're currently <laughs> taking, right? And all those things. How do you feel? How do you feel about the role of technology as it's replaced print? Certainly, you guys are still printing on the college campus, right? We get printed. You bring print home and we see it. So it's not completely dead. But talk to me a little bit. How do you feel as a journalist? Everything moving to the web, print not as applicable. It's a it's everything's an upheaval. The newspaper industry is trying to figure out how to fund this stuff and how to make it work. How do you feel about that? I think that. Well, in terms of advertising, news has always been driven really heavily by advertising. Most newspapers for the past couple decades have been more advertisements than content. So we're just seeing that translated to web. And so that might look different from a web perspective where we're used to things being not advertised or free. Um, but I just don't, I think it, I don't think it's that different, but I think people's the thing that affects us most is people's attention spans are shortening and they also want more they want more content that accesses multiple stimuli so people don't have as much patience for just sitting and reading and that's it they want to see video they want to see audio they want to see photos but you just don't get as much in-depth news that way and one of the best ways for both retention and comprehension and accurate reporting is print is is text and so I think we're going to have to find a way to keep people's attention, keep them reading, because that's what's best for news. That's what produces the most quality news. And obviously, I'm biased as a writer, but the studies and the facts reflect that. And so I hope that people continue to value reading and value print, even if it's moved on to digital, that there's there's still value in text. Mike, as a lawyer... Yeah. You you rely a lot on text. How has this changed? I mean, are you seeing is this is this this idea, Sammy saying, you know, attention spans and is that affecting you in your space and or or I mean talk a little bit, I don't know, dialogue with me a little bit on that. How is that working as far as what you're seeing in your industry? 
A hundred percent. So, um, you know how when you guys get a contract, let's say you go and sign up at the gym and you get a contract. Well, people already don't like to read legal contracts. <laughs> so now take the the attention span aspect and how people are not used to reading long documents or documents at all. I mean, to be honest, Jim, you can probably have a career where you don't read every day. Uh, you might deal with numbers, you might listen to audio, you might create video, but you might not be forced to read documents. So in my industry, it's coming to, we're actually, I mean, in my field, one of my tasks when I first got into my new position was our CEO said, rewrite this entire agreement. I want it to read like, I want it to be entertaining. I want it to be funny. I want this to be for the average person, take out all the legalese. So I took, you know, one of our agreements that is literally the heart and soul of our company, an, an agreement we use every single day with new people. And it was rewrite it so that, you know, anyone who's a non-attorney could get in there and read it and enjoy it. And uh, it was kind of interesting. So it's even changing the way we have to write and which is super hard for a new law school grad. You've just been pounded into your head how to write um, in a legal way, in a legal format, in a very formal manner. And now you have to change it because even legal contracts now need to be written in an entertaining way. So uh, it's changing our industry because you definitely recognize if I, if I gave you guys three sample contracts and asked you guys which one you liked the most, I have some that are just I mean, I even enjoyed reading them. My Hannah would have loved reading them, and she is the opposite of an attorney. She is a polar opposite. And so it's really changing the way we read because a lot of these now are intended, at least in my space, I'm in the mergers and acquisitions space. So these documents are going to the executive team and the board of these companies as far as whether you're going to buy or sell your company. And they want to see it in a more entertaining way. You know, and if, if you bore them to death, they're not going to read it and they're going to throw it to the side. Whereas if you can wow them. So I never thought we'd get to a day where I need to write a contract that's actually going to entertain uh, the you know opposing party. So opposing counsel. Now opposing counsel will understand and they hate it and I hate it as an attorney because it doesn't, you know, legal language has a meaning. Like there is a reason legal language is the way it is. A lot of people think we're just being uppity and, uh, you know, oh, lawyers like to do it. So only lawyers can read it. And that's not true. I mean, a lot of this stuff has, you know, case law around what a certain word means and there's all this history. And, and actually, if you're a historian, if you are a true writer, you probably really do like the way lawyers write because it has meaning. It has history. Uh, it's really kind of, it's, it's an art form. Uh, you find lawyers who can write in a legal way and, and, and they're effective with it. It's actually a really fine art. And it's kind of really interesting to find a lawyer who can write like that. So yeah, it's it's affecting us too. But as far as me listening, uh, I read so much every single day for my job. I, I, I am guilty. Sammy, don't kill me. I am guilty of getting a lot of my news in podcast form or audio form, video form, just because the only time I have is the drive to work, maybe the drive home. And then over the lunch hour, I'm eating and I'm already reading so much during the day that I kind of, my eyes just need a break. I just need to kind of listen to it. But my big concern, and Sam, you have to weigh in on this, is because what I'm concerned with is the the journalists, right? The ones who go out and do the hard work, they knock on doors, they get the story, they're investigative journalists, they're getting the the nitty gritty details, they're doing the hard work. They work for, you know, the the big news publications, the ones we all know about, right? Whether it's your big city newspaper, it's your New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, all the big papers. And they're the ones that, Jim, you mentioned earlier, are struggling to figure out how to fund the paper, whether it's advertisements or or things like that. And then you get all of the second, I call it kind of secondhand news where it's the bloggers who pick up a story from the New York Times, they get the facts from there and they put their opinion on top of it. 
but that really maybe that didn't take as much and we need the investigative journalist to do the hard work so we so it scares me how people are focusing now more on the blogs and everything like this there's nothing wrong with blogs i love getting my news because it provides a different perspective but if we don't have that initial source those people i you know we were talking in pre-show the people who go out and get the beat journalists right the ones who get the real story without those people everyone else is up a creek without a paddle, right? Like they don't even have yeah. the beige journalism to go off of. So, I mean, is that true or is that just a, a outsider's perspective on what's going on? But I see it as all, like a lot of the people are taking the good journalism and kind of branching off and taking it and doing their own spin on it. Yeah, we struggle with that. Not so much at smaller newspapers, but overall in the, in the kind of culture around journalism now, especially I personally have a lot of beef with the fact that we have a 24-hour TV news cycle and what that's done to journalism because it's all commentary. It's all political commentary. And so the heart of the story kind of gets distorted because it's easier to just take the facts that you that that match your viewpoint and then put a spin right. on it and that's easy to digest. But I think the big thing thinking about what journalism looks like in 2019, I think the important thing is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because the facts are not always going to line up with you with what you want to believe or what your preconceived notions are or what your worldview is. And so sometimes you're going to get you're going to get something thrown at you or a story thrown at you and you're going to be like that completely gives me cognitive dissonance and you have to process that, get through it and then move on and learn and grow from that. And so I that's why I think news is so important still in spite oh, yeah. of the culture of 24-hour news cycles and bloggers that that the facts and the two-sided and the multi-sided situations are still important. I totally agree. That's why I hope we figure out a way to fund the journalists who are going out and doing the hard work. Yes. Right. Hard agree. Like let's, we need to find some way that besides advertisers, some way to fund it because otherwise there's going to be no real journalism. It's going to be just all the second hand and actually the second hand people won't even have a job either because they won't have anything to report on. Cause yeah. a lot of them are pulling the facts from a lot of the people. And we were talking about a podcast earlier. It's called the daily in the New York times. It's their podcast. And in this podcast, they interview journalists about their article. And when I hear the amount of work that goes into one article that these people do, I mean, some of these people are working on these articles for more than a year. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's not rare. And that was shocking to me, especially in what we just talked about in the age of quick 24 seven, you know, news cycle, get it in, get it out fast. As soon as it happens, get it online. And it, it was baffling to me, but it also showed me that, okay, it's a, almost a completely, there's almost like two styles of journalism. There's the 24 seven news cycle where they want it fast. They want it now. They want it emotional. They want it polarizing one side or the other, get your attention. And then there's the people who actually put in the time and the effort to look at every single angle. And uh, man, it kind of opened my eyes to this whole world of journalism that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, there's a lot of newspapers and outlets that their policy is we have to have it first. It doesn't matter if it's right. And they'll run 20 corrections on a story. And it, in the end, the thing that they originally ran with as soon as it broke is is from whole cloth wrong. Really? Yes. And so that's distressing to me because I'm, I, people need to have patience with journalism because good journalism takes time and it takes talking to a million people and taking multiple half hour to three hour interviews and breaking them down into the most important parts and putting that into a cohesive story. That takes time. 
but that stuff is important and that's the real truth. That's where you're going to get to the heart of the issue. Okay. A couple things coming from the chat room. Let me just jump in really quick. So Mike uh, earlier, when you said, mergers and acquisitions it sounded like, like murders. Murders. <laughs> i have everyone says that i've got to really enunciate my mergers yeah i was just I'm letting it go down so that's so. why i say m&a but then people say some people who aren't familiar they say what's m&a and i say murders and acquisitions no mergers and acquisitions mergers. No, it's super good. I think uh, everybody thought it was just a. I, I, you know, I've thought about going into murders a lot too. You know, criminal. well, you are a lawyer. Yeah, so I'm a lawyer. That, that I can we get switch that up. We could go That's that way. That's the exciting too. stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Justin says from the chat room, he says he wants his news feed, a news feed aggregator that dedupes the data and searches for original sources that provides hard facts only. I think we all do. I, I, I do think because this is a human deal, no matter what you do, you introduce bias, right, in, into mm -hmm. what we're doing. Sammy, one of the things that has impressed me the most about you is we've talked a ton about this. Like, you know, you and I get hours together in the car to and from uh, Northwest Missouri State. It's really been the best thing I ever did was uh, drive you to college all the time. Like it's been fun talking to you on those with those, those times we have together, but you have this and it's always surprising me because, you know, doing a lot of podcasting, we definitely come at this from a very biased perspective. Like it, it, podcasting the way we do it is not, not necessarily investigative journalism. You know, we spout a few things. We don't necessarily treat things fairly. We're not, we're not, it's not intended to be that way. There's news in it, buried in it. There's facts and those kinds of things buried in it. But you've been, you know, you've been very concerned about being unbiased. What What is the drive for you? Like that keeps coming up of being fair. I mean, you certainly have your own opinions and I have heard them. Trust me. Yeah. She I am has very her own opinionated opinions. in spite of what and the persona I put come across. Her, her political leanings are, are different than my political leanings. And that's okay, right? Because we have a very a safe space here at the house to, to be able to talk about those things. But why, why is that so important to you? Why is that idea of being unbiased so important to you? Yeah, I joke sometimes that sometimes I'll be having a conversation with somebody and I'm like, okay, I'm taking my journalism cap off. <laughs> or this is person Sammy and this is journalism Sammy. Because I you kind of have to take your opinions and just put them in a box and put them away. But I think that's so important because of trust and respect. I want my audience to trust me regardless of what my opinions are. They want to trust that I'm going to tell them what what the truth is regardless of what I come across. And if somebody tells me something in an interview that is the whole truth and I it conflicts with my worldview, I have to shove my worldview aside and I have to print that because it's for the good of the audience. And I want them to trust and respect me and have that put, put that faith in yeah. me as a yeah. writer. We're doing a whole series of Gallup around trust in the media. We have a brand yeah. new podcast coming call out called uh, outside the echo chamber or out of the echo chamber, I think is what we're calling it brand new. We haven't even put an episode out yet, but Sammy, we're, we're, we're focusing on this idea of trust. I played the trailer for you and you're like, yes, yes. Um, cause that is important right now. You know, the facts is, is tough still. It is like, tough. And it's, it's not always, truth is not always truth. Is uh, uh, still the way we see things is still filtered through our own cultural or education or historical biases that we have. And even though we saw it, we may see something happen. We may not be able to trust that. One of the things you said, uh, Sammy, as you were saying, you got to talk to people and interview people and get, Right. I mean, I think that's the thing is oftentimes, Mike, you and I come at reporting on this podcast, very centric to our own opinions. Yeah. 
right? How did I like it? What did it do? There may be some facts buried in those opinions somewhere, but it's very me centered. Sammy, I'm what I'm hearing a lot of times, the heart of journalism is getting more than just how you think or feel about yeah. what, like what other people say, what other people do. What are you using from a tech perspective? When we think about some of the tools you use today, what does the modern journalist use? What are the tools? What are some things that you use? My number one tool that I use for everything is this, <laughs> is my phone. I record interviews on here. I often take photos on here because I, I check out a camera from the school. It's a DSLR, DSLR with a huge lens and it takes really nice photos. But sometimes you something happens on the street or something happens in a meeting and you don't have your camera on you and you're like, I need a photo of this. So you take out your phone and you take a photo. The 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 modern journalist is you have to maintain some of your humanness, but some sometimes you have to a part of you always has to be on as a journalist. And you always have to be looking for news and you always have to be thinking about what's the story. Could this be a story? What's this person saying? What does that mean in the broader context? And so you always have to be ready to pull out your phone. The thing that we joke about is I went to visit my high school last year and I happened to be in the newsroom at my high school when a lockdown drill happened. So they say locks lights out of sight. You turn off the light, lock the door, you get in the corner of the room. So that way, if an active shooter walks by, they think that nobody's in the room. And Conley's talking to us while this this drill is happening. And she's saying, you guys know what to do if a shooter comes. They say, yeah, you do this. We would probably get in the closet. We'd probably barricade the door. And I say, no, if an active shooter comes on campus, you pull out your phone and you start recording. That You as a journalist are a different type of human being because sometimes when, when something newsworthy happens, you don't think I'm a member of the news. You think I must document. <laughs> and so... The journalist is mobile. I can theoretically do my entire job on my phone. So that is the most important tool to me. Didn't you have a picture that you took that made the paper from your phone? And there was of- a photo on A1. I could probably dig it out later that I, uh, one of our, my then news editor, Katie, uh, was writing a story about a student who had died. It was just a medical incident. It was accidental, but they had a memorial for her at, on campus and a ton of people were there so many more people than we thought showed up and Katie couldn't make it and so she said Sammy can you go and just record what happens like any important bits do interviews whatever just so I can finish filling out the story and so I get there I sit through all the talks and I record a few things and I talk to a few people but towards the end as people are starting to filter out I'm just lingering seeing if anything's going to happen and this group of students gets in a circle and they start a prayer circle and they're there and they're sharing emotional stories and everybody's crying. And so I am like standing there. I'm like, this is happening. So I pull out my phone. I climb up on a chair and I take a photo of the prayer circle on my phone and message it to Katie. And it ends up on A1 the next day. So that was a moment where I was like, this this, this needs to be photographed. I wasn't here to take photos, but this is important because we already had a photo planned for A1. But we ran that one immediately under it because it was just a powerful moment. A1 is for the, for the novice. A1 yeah, that is the front is page. What? Okay. <laughs> it was the very front cover and it was above the fold, which is prime real estate. And that was just a really good gratifying moment for me of journalistic instinct. Well, it's super interesting in the sense that we've gotten good enough uh, hardware devices. It's the yeah. phone that'll take pictures kind of kind of worthy to be on a front page, so to speak. When you guys are working on articles, stories, 
do you have some kind of fancy tech uh, that you're keeping track of all of this on or what, what, what are some of the tools that you use? Yes. So we write all our stories on Google Drive and we also use Trello, the project management mm. system. So we have we have columns. So we have stacks and every every story gets a card and then we put it in story ideas. And then as it goes through the editing process, it moves over and we can attach the story document from Google Drive onto the card. We can put comments and say, here's how it's going. We can attach a photographer to that card so that photographer can communicate with the reporter and they can talk about what they're gonna photograph for that story. And it's just generally the best system. And we also use Slack um, for messaging within the staff to keep in touch. So we have different channels and then individually I can contact reporters through there. Does everybody just have Slack on their phone? Is that kind of yeah? Keep yeah, we mostly use Slack on our phone, and then we use Trello both on our phones and on our computers. Yeah, yeah you probably use Trello more on your phone than your computer, or the other way around. Uh, I use it more on my computer just because I always have my computer on me when I'm working, but I do sometimes use it on my phone if I need to edit a story really quick before deadline, and I'm like in class. <laughs> sometimes you just... That's never happened though, right? Never. No, it's a, never. Yeah, I'm definitely not not paying attention during history while I edit a story. <laughs> could could you mostly write a story on your phone? Do you think I could you... absolutely probably write an entire story on my phone okay. yeah. <laughs> because I could record it with my I use the just the voice memos app that comes on iPhone to record it. I can then plug my headphones in and type it out on Google Drive and then write the story on Google Drive, attach it to Trello, and send it off to the editors. And then one, that's done. Speaking of your phone, one of the things that you'd mentioned to me, the importance of carrying battery and a charger uh, with yes. you. And that, like, can you talk a little bit about that? So I have a portable charger that carries about four charges on it. It also has a flashlight on it. Um, but this is super important because having your phone charged at all times is super important. You never know when a story is going to break or an editor is going to text you. You're going to need to edit something last minute or take a photo. Um, but also we keep these because... Uh, a couple months ago, the fires in California trapped a bunch of college journalists on their campus, and they were trying to cover the fire that was surrounding their campus while they were on campus surrounded by the fire and cutting off power. And so they all needed to keep the story. They kept updating their website, but obviously they had no power. So they pulled out battery chargers. They drained gas out of people's cars to charge phones because that was how they were staying connected and keeping people on campus and outside of campus updated on what was going on because they were the main line of communication. Uh, you just that have that time. one? I, I, I have yeah. that. I just have the one. I can also charge off of my laptop. But I uh, on campus, we started developing a da disaster management plan or disaster coverage plan. And that involves we need to get more portable chargers either from for our newsroom or person like individual journalists need to get them so that way if a disaster does happen and we do lose power we can keep our phones and laptops charged so that way we continue covering even though we're we may be in the middle of a disaster what just, brand is that one it is case logic okay just just for the record uh last when we had that tornado go through here mm -hmm. that went south of here a couple of years ago wiped out well, it took out. Well, remember you, Mike. You did the, I think the the video, uh, the drone video for the Harley Davidson. I did, yeah. Right after that storm, yep. right? Right down there around uh, Junction City or whatever, um, Pacific Junction. Yeah, I Pacific think. Junction. Yep. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they got hit by it 
hard. We lost power for, I don't know, four days. It was kind, yeah, of, a night- it was kind of a nightmare. But I went out and bought Sammy and Sarah, both those Chopco. Yep. Uh, they were actually clearancing them. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because it had the flashlight in it. Yeah. And so it was one of those kinds of things, yeah, where it was like, okay, if we're going to have one of these, let's, that's, that, that seemed like a really handy additional yeah. thing to kind of have that's on it. Mike, in your everyday carry, uh, thing you got it you got a battery in there i somewhere? do it looks the exact same that's what i was wondering it's a anchor brand i really like it again same sort of size so it has about four charges with it i got it because i was you know when i was traveling 100 percent of the time it's slim slips right down into a bag and essentially it turned my backpack into like a portable charger because i would just always be when i'm yeah. traveling having that plug in especially when you're flying and you need an uber like Flying Uber, all that stuff, it just takes a lot of drain on your battery. So I do. I carry one every single day. I love it. It doesn't have the flashlight, though. That would be nice. I carry a separate full flashlight on me. Yeah, I have um, a all the time. on my phone. So. Yep. But so. yeah, and even on when you live on an older campus, there's not outlets everywhere. Or if you're in the dining hall, everybody's always hogging the few outlets that are in there. So it's nice to have on hand if I'm just doing several back-to-back classes and my phone is dying as I'm using it, I can plug it in. And I also have a six foot phone charger cable that I keep in my backpack. So that way, if I, if there is an outlet free or I need to slip it in my backpack and still work on it, um, I always have enough charger cable length that I can, or like if the power strip is all the way under the desk and you don't want to pull it all the way out. Oh yeah. Long, Long phone charger cables are an underrated investment. <laughs> totally agree. Everyone complains about the bulk of them when you're carrying them. Like, no, no, no. They're so totally worth, worth it. it. I do the same thing. And your dad, I think, Jim, you were the one who taught me, I think it was you, that when you're traveling, get the three-prong outlet so that if you're at an airport, and same thing as you just said, and there's only one outlet, like, hey, can I? It, can you unplug? I'll plug this in, and then you can still plug in. So if you have the three-prong, and uh, so I got one of the three-prong with USBs on it, so that um, even if someone was taking up the spots, I'm like, hey, I, all I just need to do is plug this in. You can plug your stuff right in. I just need this port. You're and, one uh, step ahead on the front of being courteous. It was your dad. Back. Your dad got me into this and I learned it. And literally every single time I was at the airport, there was always that time where someone else had taken both outlets. I'm like, can I just plug in? You can plug right in. They're like, oh yeah, sure. That works. And That's all was solved. Yeah. Nobody ever says no to that, by the no way. No one. There's no, like, why would you? No, no. sorry. <laughs> So like, hey, I'm I'm just I'm gonna pull it for a second and yeah. and, and plug in and like, oh yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, Belkin makes that kind of a it's the, the same long one. Style. I have it right here actually. Yeah, two yeah. or three. I bought one that's a square that's got two on the side and then the USB is on the top. That's also super handy to have, uh, kind of keep in your bag. That's Sammy. Do you keep any other from it from a gadgetry standpoint uh, stuff that you keep on you? Any other gadgets that you find really important? My kinda- headphones. Yeah. I have oh, okay. Audio Technica Bluetooth over the ear headphones. I use this more than like tied with my laptop, second place from my phone, most used tech products. I have these on me at all times because I'm always wearing them, walking to class, using them when I'm typing interviews off of my phone, when I'm just watching movies in my dorm and won't, don't want to bother my roommate. I probably have headphones on during waking hours more often than I have them off which is probably not great for my social life, but you know, I talk to people in class, so it's fine. But yeah, I use the crap out of these and they also have a cable that you can plug in so I can have them Bluetooth connected to my phone and then just turn the headphones off and plug them into my laptop and they can charge while I'm using them. So we got really nice. I like the look of those. Yeah, these are super great. I've had them since October and they will probably last for eons and eons because I was so tired of earbuds that break after six months and you have to buy those and they're $30 every time. I'd rather just invest 
and Mike, keep we, these for we were constantly buying her Apple branded earbuds and she was just crushing them. Like yeah. every time, every yeah. semester, Sarah was saying to me, uh, we're going to have to get her new earbuds. I'm like, I just bought her new <laughs> earbuds. Like, what the heck? So for her birthday this year, we, I said, let's get, let's get you a really nice pair. And we went down to Best Buy and I let her try them on. And we tried everything from the Beats to the Bose to the, Sony, Sony to, you know, just you name it. She tried them all on and and I was cringing because I thought for sure, I kind of told her she could buy whatever she wanted. And I was kind of cringing because I like, she's going to say Bose. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to say Bose. Now, you know how good those are though, because you use them. Yeah. They are super nice, but these are a great middle price alternative because they are just as comfortable. They're a little bit smaller. They are, they fold up and they're portable and I can just stick them in my backpack and they sound super great when i'm listening yeah. to music all the time <laughs> they're actually a little more comfortable than the bose are yeah they really yeah the bows are a little okay. tight on my head yeah and, and they have yeah. the pads have just a little bit more firmness which is counterintuitive but it is more comfortable yeah. this is good because i've been looking so i have the quiet quiet comfort 15s the noise or is it 25s one of the two probably, probably 25 25 so they're noise canceling but they have the cord they're not bluetooth they're the old style i mean i got these things back when i was an undergrad they have lasted they are the best headphones i have ever had i've traveled with them every single week same as you sammy when i was traveling i mean i had them on my head more than i didn't and so they've lasted so long but now it, with the cord i can't use it with my phone and yeah. i don't want to carry that adapter so i'm looking i'm like okay i'm gonna if i'm gonna upgrade i want to kind of start fresh and look at all the options so maybe i need to look at those audio technicas i've been looking at uh because i have airpods though yeah. but on flights airpods are useless just like mm-hmm. every other earbud on a flight you need the over ear noise canceling yep. and uh so i've been carrying around actually i just plugged it in my plugged it into my ipad last time i used my bow with an ipad instead of my phone is a total pain question for you though so are these devices, so I have a portable recorder here. This is a Tascam DR40. I use this for podcasting because it's got actually DSLR on the bottom. So I can actually plug full microphones into this and, and record. Are, are portable recorders, are those a thing of the past now with phones for journalists? Because I noticed, I don't, I always see people now holding up their phone, not holding up a portable recorder. I think so, yes. Unless you're doing radio or doing something like NPR format where you do interviews and then edit together into a story audio right. format wise. I use my phone. 100% of the time. Okay. Because the, the quality is good enough that even in a loud crowded, like I did an interview in a Starbucks, it like peak time at like noon on a Saturday and I could hear the person I was interviewing just fine. Really? And did you so, just have it set on the table? Were you kind yeah, of going back and forth? Yeah, I'll either set it on the table or if I'm standing, I'll hold it like between us, like okay. halfway between us. That way I can hear my questions and then hear them as well. But it picks them up just fine. The audio quality is great. And for typing up interviews, it works and I'm, it's always on me. So that phone, I mean, that has changed the industry. For sure, for sure, for sure. You don't need, you, it's preferred to have a nice microphone or a nice camera with you. But if you don't have it, it's not the end of the world because you can do it on your phone. Is there anyone that's doing maybe a a high quality mic plugged into their phone? I'm sure some people, I don't have, we, we've, we haven't been doing that in Northwest. I've thought about that. Okay. Um, but I'm sure there are some people, there are YouTubers that do that for sure. For sure. Right. And maybe, um, maybe once you get, if you got into podcasting, maybe that would be a time where you would yeah. maybe look at, look at, I've never even looked in the options. I really don't know what would even be an option for, I'm sure there are a bunch of high quality microphones. Yeah. That just that plug into the bottom phone. of your phone. Yeah. It would make sense. I'm sure yeah. there is that. I haven't used it, but I'm sure it would up my audio quality a little bit. 
before Apple took away the phone the jack, jack that was in there, right? It, you yep. could they made a microphone uh, yeah. that you could you could plug in, and in I actually owned it. Now, when I moved to the iPhone eight, uh, <laughs> it's now sitting in my bag. I really need to kind of give it away, or I don't know what to do with it at this point. I guess I could retrofit it onto something. But Mike, I do find, and from Sammy's testimony on this, that. The phone's good enough in a lot of cases for, you know, just kind of hold that in the center, get close enough to it. Uh, even with noise in the background, it works works out pretty well. Yeah, the best tool you can invest in as a journalist is a phone with a good camera, a good microphone, and a long battery life. Sammy, and that's, you, that's great. you and I are on iPhone, but yes. the other day you said to me something evil. Oh. And, mm. and so why don't you repeat that for the for everyone? I've been thinking about once my contract with Sprint is up and my iPhone is kaput, as it will be in a few years, I'm sure, because the way of Apple, I'm thinking about switching to Pixel. What? So I can get on Project Fi <laughs> and I can also have that good, good camera. Oh, man. My family has, by the way, everybody else in the family, Sammy and I are the only iPhone holders. I was a dedicated lone iPhone user for a while, and then I got dad on it, and now I'm going to ditch him. Oh, That's, no. How weird is this, Mike, that uh, the Windows guy becomes the Apple guy who podcasts with an Apple guy who becomes a Windows guy? I, was, I, I wanted to comment on your comment to her You're gonna where you said, oh, she's going to say something and it's going to be, you know, sacrilege or whatever. I'm like, um, wait, what? Are you, an, are you an Apple fan now? This is we've, we've just gone in circles. How I, weird. I don't really know which way is up. And I mean, I, I, I'm I, on a PC am I, am I supposed right to now. Like Apple? Am I supposed to not Apple. like Apple? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sammy, do you guys use Macs um, at the school for yes. any of your, and, and yeah, how does the, that fit into the The lab upstairs uh, has Macs, and then in the newsroom we have Macs uh, because it runs Adobe the best. Uh, we use InDesign to design pages. We use Photoshop to, and Lightroom to edit photos. Um, yeah, we use, we use InDesign for video, or not InDesign, we use uh, Premiere for videos. Yeah. We use the full suite. Adobe has really locked up that. I mean, if you want to talk about a monopoly on that end yes. of the market, right? I mean, it's Adobe or nothing. And, and the prices a, reflect it, right? Yeah. Making it a subscription system uh, has yeah. been raking in cash for them. Oh, no, it's a, it's, it's a, I'm just it's glad a, that my school pays for it and I don't. Well, eventually though, someday you probably will. Like I, yeah. I, I do think your future, like the, you may work for somebody, but I think the future of journalism has a lot to do with both working maybe for a uh, an organization and a side hustle. I just, mm -hmm. I, I, I can't imagine most of the most successful journalists that I know today are doing their own thing as well as writing freelance, and maybe that's the right way to say it, right? Writing freelance uh, or podcasting freelance. I think there's a space, um, uh, I alluded to this earlier, you know, Mike and I do, we're not journalists, we're podcasters, right? And we're having a good time and we're talking about stuff and we, we're not really, we don't really care about bias or unbiased. But Sammy, I, I think there's a place for in podcasting for news done. Mike, you mentioned, you know, before this, this uh, New York Times one. That you, Sammy, I think there's a place for real journalism in podcasting. And I think, I think so too. Yeah. And I think that as much as I'm personally dedicated to print and writing and reading things in text there is there is a place for kind of niche journalism and becoming an expert in one thing and reporting on that no matter where it happens and being mobile and then podcasting about it and interviewing people one-on-one -on -one about it i think that there's certainly a place in the industry for that yeah. and that that could be yeah. an avenue to go down i think it actually goes that way and the other way 
So some podcasting about some things where you're interviewing people, you turn those interviews, how, how cool would it be if you're getting, you know, and, and who knows what kind of content this would be, but where your interviews are public, you're doing these interviews as a podcast, and then you're putting all that information together in print. Today, we're going to live in a day where Google is going to be able to index everything we say audio and video-wise. That's coming. But today, really, really important, I think still you get that audio content in written form so that the Google crawler can find it. And and um, do you guys, when you're writing, so as the paper and you're posting, as a journalist, are you worried at all about SEO? Does that... Do you think like, oh, I need to get keywords in here and those kinds of things? We try to be, we're not very good at it as a news staff because that's just not what we're thinking about when we're writing. We're thinking quality journalism. We're not thinking hits online, but we do think about it. And I'm the one who, as campus news editor, I'm the one who puts stuff online. So I write the headlines for the website. I put in all the tags and I write social media posts. That's why it's important that I take social media classes. And um, I'm taking web publishing this fall, which talks a lot about SEO. So we we try to think about those things. And our advisor encourages us to think about those things, to write headlines differently for online than we do for print. So that way they get, if not more, not, not more search engine hits, but more social media hits. Because we gained hu- a huge, huge following this past spring There was, so last school year when I was a freshman, there was an accident at one of the bars in town where a guy was drunk driving and he crashed into the front of the bar and killed a a Northwest student. And it was hugely devastating for campus. So many people knew and loved her. And so it was a huge story. And so this spring he had his trial and we covered all five days of the trial with huge in-depth stories and photos and stand-up videos outside of the courthouse talking about giving a summary of the story and we gained so many social media followers on twitter and facebook from covering those stories so now we're trying to take advantage of that following and keep those people reading and so we're thinking more about what's going to get what's going to draw our community in and keep them reading our stories um, from a visual standpoint and from a headline writing standpoint Can, can you do that and not be biased yeah i think so i think it's just honestly it's it's kind of like calculus like math putting all of the right pulling the right pieces out and putting them at the top will grab people's attention naturally we don't i mean you could stretch the truth or be or get people fired up and angry but we don't want to do that we just want to take advantage of the assets that we do have and pull those to the forefront to get attention in a more organic way Funny, you mentioned uh, mentioned calculus. I think a lot of people think journalists are just English nerds, and actually, Sammy's way better at math uh, in a I'm lot really of ways. Really good at math, <laughs> and uh, just to the chagrin of her uh, high school math teachers who wanted her to, she was doing great, and they were like, "Oh, if, would you do more of this?" She's like, "No, I'm actually more interested in writing," and it was they just killed them. Uh, they would always talk to us at parent-teacher conferences and say, oh, can't, could you just talk to her? And we're like, no, actually we can't because <laughs> it's not really um, uh, what she wants to do. Um, speaking of school, let's, um, as, as we think about that, Sammy, some advice. This is the advice section of the podcast. A lot of my listeners have children who are, who are your age or younger in high school. Mike, yours will be here someday. You know the benefits of this, but 
one of, I think, the best kept secrets, and, and we see this all the time in the work I do at Gallup with our interns, with our high school interns, is the value of dual enrollment. And oh, Sammy, for sure, for sure. We're going to get you through Northwest in three and a half years, which is pretty great. Save us 10 grand or 12 grand, something something along the And I say us because you're helping pay for your, yeah. for your own education, which I think is important. Um, but, and Mike, I know you took some dual, I think you did, right? You yes. took some dual enrollment lot, tool. Yeah. So Sammy, just talk a little bit about what did you take and what was the benefit of it? We certainly, there's a cost benefit, but when you were in school, what did you take and what was the cost benefit? And, and kind of explain, I think a lot of parents don't know what dual enrollment is compared to AP. Everyone knows what AP classes are. Yeah. So explain a little bit the difference and, and what it means for a dual enrollment. So I took dual enrollment. I took two types of dual enrollment courses. I took them through the community college and I also took them through the University of Nebraska Omaha. And those looked a little bit different. Uh, Metro was more of a traditional dual enrollment setting where you take the normal high school class, but you also pay a little bit of money to the college. And the, the teacher is certified in that course at the college. And so you get credit for both of them at the same time. And so I paid $40 to Metro for a semester of psychology and was taught by basically a Metro psychology professor. And so I got credit towards graduating high school for psychology, but I also, that went on my transcript and that went to college. And so I took psychology, one semester of psychology and two semesters of German through Metro at my high school. And then I also, through UNO, UNO does a special deal where you take dual enrollment, but you also pay, they also pay for you to take the AP test because all of the UNO classes are also AP courses. And so you take the class, you get the credit, but you can also take the AP test for free at the end in case dual enrollment doesn't transfer correctly or you do better on one than the other, um, or you just don't. Like I took AP calculus in high school and I did dual enrollment credit, but I also took the AP test because I just didn't want to take the calculus final, which was cumulative. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, and do you remember the price? Do you remember what we paid for the UNO? I think they credits, are 200 bucks or something. Yeah. I think they're 150 for. Yeah, okay. And so it's nice about is, half price by the way. And yeah. That's and then half price tuition for both yeah, schools. Yeah. For sure. And the nice thing about UNO was calculus in college is a semester class in high school. It is two semesters. So you get it stretched out. And also because it's high school in college, you're going to class two or three days a week. So you're getting most classes or three credit hour classes, but in high school, my calculus and two semesters of German were all five credit hour classes. So I was paying the flat rate for the class, but I was getting more credit hours, which is more money saved. Yeah, which and five hours at Northwest would be two, about $2,300 yeah, to, for that class. We're paying out of state. Yeah, getting five free. credit hours for $150 is a steal. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And that I mean, saved yeah. me. I came into college with, I think, 19 credit hours of credit factoring in. I also took an AP class and took the AP test. Um, yeah. That if I had taken 16 to 17 credit hours a semester, I could have graduated in three years. But I decided to take it a little slower. So I'm graduating in three and a half. Oh, which was super smart. Mike, what was your experience? Yeah, exactly the same as Sammy. So I had the same thing. I went to school in Kansas City and we had Johnson County Community College down there who offered the dual enrollment. Same thing, extremely affordable, probably around that same $40, $50, $60 per credit. Um, and so the one thing I looked into was because I had the option, right? You can do AP, take the AP test at the end, or you can do enrollment or same thing as you take a dual enrollment course and you can also take the AP at the end. For me, the big determining factor was 
uh, look where you want to go to college and talk to one of the advisors there and see if they're going to accept that. Do because some of them will accept your almost every college in the in the country will accept your dual enrollment credit. The question is, are they going to apply it just as a Gen Ed credit, or are they going to actually apply it as the yep. course you took? Right? Is it going to count as a cal- calculus math course, or is it just going to be a general Gen Ed? So I talked to Creighton. I knew I was going to go to Creighton. I talked to an advisor up here. They said. It's going to count. If you take dual enrollment from JCC, we'll count it as. So I knew I didn't have to take the AP test. Whereas if I had gone to a different university, they might have said, no, we're only going to count that as gen eds. Then I would have taken the actual AP test so that I could have gotten the actual credit because AP, obviously, very different beast. You take the test, it's counted as that course. So um, if you know where you're going to college, it does help. Or if you know generally where you want to go to college, a lot of times if I know I want to go to Nebraska state college system, whether it's UNO, Kearney, Omaha, Lincoln, um, you, then you can go ask them. So for me, it was plan ahead, kind of go ask, see what you want to do. But dual enrollment was amazing. You're in your own high school environment, which you're already very comfortable in. The teacher, like you said, is accredited at the university level and the high school level, a lot less pressure, um, a lot less distraction, right? It's much easier to do a class in high school than it is in college. I'll just say it. College has a lot more distractions, right? There's a lot more things you can do instead of going to class in and college. And it's a lot more independent. You, yes, exactly. you spend one hour in class and then do two hours of homework while in high school you spend two hours in class and do half an hour of homework. It's a great way to say it. So you're going to naturally focus on it more, uh, yeah. spend more time on And you get more class. help from the teacher because they exactly. have fewer students. They're more engaged. It's, yep. just a be- it's just a great system overall. And it's especially for, so I did it for all the classes that I knew I had a hard time focusing on in college. So I took all the classes that I actually wasn't too interested in. I took those as my dual enrollment so I could get those out of the way. I knew in high school I had to be there anyway. <laughs> so I might as well take some classes that I didn't yep. care for. So I took all the ones that I wasn't going to be too interested in once I got to college. Yeah. Parents, I would say if you have junior high children or they're in high school right now, it would be really, really worth your while to investigate this idea of dual enrollment in the school that you're in, even if you think your students are going to end up in junior college or, or, you know, or whatever, maybe you're not even, they're not even thinking about college yet. It is something in, and Sammy, you really, you pushed us on this, which I was really glad you did. I didn't quite understand all the things that were happening with it. I wish I would have looked into it more. I wish I would have listened to a podcaster who said, Hey, you know, dirt ball, go, go <laughs> investigate this more. And that's what I'm telling you guys now. You just did it. And then you'd be like, oh, yeah, here's the bill. <laughs> and I remember yeah. paying those. I'm like, oh. And then because one semester you were paying like $300 for two classes. And you're yeah. like, this is so much money. And now you're paying oh. money for my summer classes. And you're like, this is so much more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, couldn't you have you been taking that? Can't we go back in time and yeah. have it? Take that uh, kind of dual enrollment. It yeah, has, no. It has even more effect too. If you think of, so this is a prime example. If you are an accounting student, if you want to be an accounting student and you want to be a public accountant, so it means you're going to sit for the CPA exam. Okay, if you, if you did dual enrollment, that means you have a bunch of extra credit going into college. The CPA exam to sit for it requires more hours than you would normally get in a four-year program at a university. So most students, if you come in with nothing to take the CPA, if your advisor is smart, they're telling you take summer classes. So you're taking summer classes every single summer to make sure you get enough hours. If your advisor is not smart, they don't tell you that. You have to take an additional year or you have to do a master's program in accounting even to just get the hours to sit for the CPA exam. But if you came in with dual enrollment, you might have your you might have covered your butt because you might have enough hours ahead of time that you're good and you can get all of those hours in in a four-year span, maybe without even taking a single summer 
credit. Now, summer credits are great. I actually highly suggest them. I yeah, took a bunch I'm because, them right now. Yeah, aren't they the best? There's no, there's less yeah. pressure. They're there. I mean, they are consolidated. At least mine, where they're in a month, whereas you would have all semester. But um, it's a little less pressure, a little more relaxed environment. So, uh, but you could cover yourself in a situation like that from taking an entire year extra, um, at a university. And, you know, if you're at a university that's expensive, that, that could save you $40,000, um, depending even more if you're at like an Ivy league school. So, so just, just prepare. I think Jim, what you were talking about is, you know, you didn't really know about it. Sammy luckily was bringing this stuff to you as parents though. If you can know about these options ahead of time, can really save some coin down the road. And if, especially if you're a student, if your, your kid is having to pay for this, um, it's a, it's a, it's a big savings. That's a serious pro tip. Right for there. very less work. Accounting right? people. Yes. For the accounting yeah, people, it's no, huge. Right on. Yeah. Right on. If you're, There's if, a lot of programs like that, not just accounting, but that was yeah. one I experienced. So uh, let me, let me encourage you if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, my kids are already gone uh, or my kids are too young. Help those around you with this info. Like, I think this is really important. This is tens of thousands of dollars we're talking about in savings in kind of just about an hour worth of work to investigate it, see what's available, kind of think about it. If if your students are going to go to college in any form, this can be a huge savings. Is it necessarily tech related? No, but do we always talk about tech stuff here? No, like this is, this is one of those podcasts where we're just trying to be helpful. So you know, if you're if you're in that boat or you've got friends who are in that boat or you've got friends with kids who are in the junior high, high school, it is a really and in my kind of what I find is it's only in the in kind of the privileged areas where the students. Right. That take you advantage of this. Yeah. So if you are in an area where you are very lucky in Omaha and in Kansas City, the areas we both live in very great you know, school systems here are pristine, really good. If you are engaged. And if you talk to the advisors, they have the information. Uh, if you know someone who's not in one of these areas, you know, talk to them about it because this is available for everyone. It's just that in the not so well educated areas, if people just, or or the I call them the engaged areas, if the teachers and the advisors aren't engaged with their students, the students are never going to know, and a lot of times the parents don't know. So uh, so help help your friends out. Talk to a friend about it. This could literally save them money. They should they should be paying you for this advice, right? Uh, basically. Yeah. Brian Hour says, "Test uh, the relaunch of the financial tech podcast." That's oh man, if, back. if we get into student loans and everything, we could have a whole episode yep. on that. I, I the, back in the day, I did a whole podcast with Christian on how to finance college, and it that would apply today. Is it kind of when he started at Maryland way back in the day? This would be almost six years ago now. We spent some time thinking about this. this is tens of thousands of dollars uh, it's when a huge we think. Investment. It is. It's a gigantic investment, and there's some things you can do. Um, but if you're not in that boat, with you everywhere. You can't. You can't. This goes through bankruptcy. This goes through. This is till, uh, until you yeah. die. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that reminder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate. That there's point. always SoFi though. If you if you're if you're really if you got a lot of private high interest loans, SoFi is actually a really good platform. Well, I'm I'm hoping that uh, I I make enough in crypto that I'm able to pay off Sammy's loan. So <laughs> there let's you go. Go. really bank it on that crypto. Here at the end, here at the end of the show, Sammy's sick of me. Sam, of saying that, Sammy, uh, let's get let's have a fun topic really quick as we kind of bring this in for a landing. You have got your brothers got you into Pokemon Go, which 
Like, they oh, did. no way, really? That's yes. all. Like, I still can't believe, like, you were the holdout. Like, they were doing it, and you never they did. They all played the Nintendo games growing up. I knew nothing about it. I was the least video game, least. Like, all of my brothers built computers for themselves for gaming, and I did not. And I'm like, of my family, I'm the least tech savvy, which is kind of hilarious. But this January, Tim was in town on leave, and Josh came over after like early in the morning he was like get your shoes on tim we're going to taco bell and we're playing pokemon go and i was like i want to come because i wanted to get out of the house and i wanted taco bell and he was like well if you're coming you have to download pokemon go so on january 3rd i downloaded pokemon go and here i am five months later and i'm at level 29 (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i got my gold gym leader badge for defending gyms for a thousand hours after one month of playing and josh is like and i i have a spreadsheet that's always open that's full of like my candies and Josh is like, how did you become a Pokemon nerd in less than six months? I'm like, Josh, you don't understand. I don't know how to like anything casually. I am all in on everything. So I am now a fan. I'm a fan. I like Sammy. The, I, you are, uh, we have a lot of things in common. I like that. Wow. You know, all three of us. Anything that's oh, worth yeah. doing is worth overdoing. That's right? what dad, dad said to me as soon as I started playing. <laughs> yep. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So now I go, there's a, there's a cemetery that's in the really old part of Bellevue that's nearby um it's probably like well how what would you say dad like a quarter of a mile half a mile yeah. half um, probably yeah half mile. so it's just, it's all uphill though but i walk there every day and i do the gyms and i spin all the stops and i catch pokemon and then i come back and like that's my workout for the day because like on campus college campuses are the best place to play pokemon go if you live on a college campus and you're not playing what are you doing because there's gyms everywhere there's stops everywhere um and so it's really easy to get high levels really fast. So I was like, you know, I might as well do this thing and do it for real. But I'm so used to walking all over my campus all the time because I don't have a car. So I'm like, I need to keep up my walking over the summer. Because I also live on the sixth floor of my dorm. And I take the stairs because I'm claustrophobic and afraid of elevators. So I need to keep up my hill walking so I don't the stairs don't cripple me when I go back to school in August. <laughs> So is it yeah. still worth it to play? The, so I actually, I was in Pokemon Go uh, casually with my wife. We loved it actually when it first came out. Is I didn't know it's still it's still going. And still, yeah, and they still update it. They add new Pokemon every couple months. It's gotten a lot better since it first came out. Yeah, so many fewer bugs. So okay. easy, so much easier to catch things. It used to be like impossible to get certain things and now you can find them anywhere. Like okay. I caught like 12 Pikachus in a day one time. Wow, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a pretty day. day. I'm sorry. Did I just fall asleep? Yeah. (laughs) Don't be rude. rude. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I I actually took Sammy out to see the movie, and I was telling Dad about it. I was like, "Are you going to see this movie?" He's like, "No." I'm like, "Okay, here's the spoilers." But I did. I did go walk with her one night. We she was Mm -hmm. going out to do it, and so we took we took a walk, and super enjoyable. Great. We we love spending time together. So it's um it's fun to be a part of that i i am afraid like this is uh, if i started doing this it would absolutely get <laughs> yeah out of with all the things that you do you don't need another thing on your plate i do not but for me it. it it's like the one thing that i keep on my phone that actually is enjoyable because i've because social media has become so unenjoyable and iphone games are just a dumpster fire of a time so i it's like my one thing and it also encourages me to get out of the house and to spend out, spend time out in the fresh air. And like, it's, it's goal oriented, but it's not so much of a time suck as you would think it is based on how into it I am. But really it's like, I, I walk like 30, 30 minutes to an hour a day. I spend on that walk and it's, 
good for my health. It gets me out of the house and it's incentivized getting out of the house. So mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh, it's kind of overcast outside. I'm not going to leave. I'm like, no, I need to get my seven day goal. <laughs> you convinced me. I'm I'm downloading it right now. I'm getting it back. Oh, to I got to see where I was. I'm really intrigued of where I left off on this. Oh, that's so I'm a awesome. Pokemon Go evangelist. There you oh, go. If, if you start Somebody doing pay it. Me. Did, then, well, I already did. And we got really into it, so I'm yeah. kind of excited to get back into it. Yeah, now I'm going to start hearing stories from Sammy about <laughs> conversations <laughs> she's had with you. Yes, about and it's going to be like, oh yeah, Mike and Hannah. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, you talk to them more than you talk to me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're on a 10 mile bike ride, and we got a bunch of Pokemon. It's been great. Yes. Oh, that's super great. That's well, what I, I do. I steal people's friends through mutual interests. I like I think, it. I think it's been, I, I really like the direction Pokemon Go has gone and what they're doing with it. And yeah. it's getting people out and it's getting people active. And and I thought it had kind of died down. And I think actually, Sammy, for the high schoolers that are behind you, I think it has. But I think yeah. your generation and above, you and your brothers, you were kind of in between Tim and Josh, who are now 26 and 22, are in that sweet spot. And I think you're you were a little young for it, but because your yeah. brothers were doing it and you kind of got into it. I think we see the 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds. There's certainly some that are doing, I don't think it's as popular anymore for them as it used to be. And it's weirdly accessible for adults because we're more mobile and we're more, oftentimes we're more in control of our schedules. And if you live on a college campus, it's a great place to play because there's so much stuff going on. Um, and it's so easy. Like the uh, team mystic on campus has a group chat. And so they do raids together and they'll go take over gyms together, which is annoying for me at Team Valor because they're so well coordinated and I'm such a loner. But like it's it's a community thing and it brings yeah. people together. So I think that for for us young adults, it it's really an accessible thing and a fun thing. Yeah. No, right on. I'm, I've lost Uyghur. He's gonna. He's... You've lost me. I'm already. I'm over here. Sorry. Yeah. I, gotta go, I gotta go for a walk. Listen. By the time we get out of this podcast, he'll have been in, out, and then sold everything that he has. On <laughs> I've on only eBay spent for like fifty bucks. Five dollars on the app. Okay. I've done the whole thing for free, except when I got the gym leader badge. I spent five dollars to buy all of the outfit because I I just wanted to. Well, Josh has been Josh has been on Pokemon Go since 2016 when it came out, and he spent two years trying to get his gym leader badge, and I got it in a month. So I had to brag about it in front of him because I'm a mean sister. <laughs> That's the real incentive oh, there. Man. That incentivizes we, uh, me to spend real money. It is tough being a Collison. I am not going to lie. You you got to so have mean. some. You got to have some intestinal fortitude to live in this house. Let, yeah. let, let me tell well, you. Well, it's prepped me well for being a journalist because in the newsroom, that's how we show affection is we're so mean to each other because journalists are so jaded and we just have to let off steam because the world is so dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Brian in the chat room says, Crypto Coin Go, Pokemon Go based mining. Why has no <sighs> one thought of that? I'm sure somebody has thought of that. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. Sammy, as we kind of wrap this up, you wrote an article, which I thought was really cool, not necessarily tech related. There's a little bit of tech in this, but you wrote an article for the school. like For the Cats Guide. So it's like a mini magazine we put out every summer that we especially cater to freshmen that kind of, it comes with a map. It comes with letters from the president, the student center president and the editor in chief. And it's just kind of got like fluffy stories and like how-to guides for freshmen to kind of get them acclimated to what the culture of Northwest is. So 10 things. And I think if you're listening to this, this is good for parents too, or if you're a college student, this may be appropriate to you. Sammy, I'm going to say the item, then you're going to quickly say why. 
Okay, okay. here we go. And the first one's great. A thick robe. Why? So in, if you live in dorms, <laughs> the fire alarms go off a lot, especially with the advent of vaping. I'm going to tell you things that are not in the article that are true life because <laughs> you guys get the exclusive. We get People vape back. and okay. they set off the fire alarms in the middle of the night or when you're in the shower. So I have a really thick lens end robe that's like longer than knee length. It's full arm length. And it's like terry cloth towel thickness. And that thing came super in handy when the fire alarm went off when I was in the shower and it was the dead of winter. Number two, number two pro tip, a surge protector power strip. I think this kind of makes sense. Why? Um, Because uh, there are not enough outlets in dorms. And because there's so many, so much electricity running through the building, if you plug in a regular power strip or extension cord, you have the risk of blowing the fuse. So if it's surge protected, then it's safe for the outlets. And then you can plug your phone charger, your laptop charger, your lamp, your fairy lights, everything, your electric tea kettle. Those are all the things that sit on my desk. Pick those up before move-in day. Yes, because because the the college, the Maryville Walmart is always sold out of those. And your college town, Walmart, will probably also be sold out. And and you could probably quickly order them from Amazon, too. Yeah, we had some just laying around the house that we we just had. Yeah, I've ordered a bunch. You know, they're super cheap. Three bucks Mm -hmm. maybe each on Amazon. Little black ones. They're six outlets. I just kind of keep them around. You never know. Yep. Mike, you probably got, how many power strips do you think you've, you, you, you own? Oh, this man. <laughs> I can never find one when I need one. That's the one problem. There's a uh, million, right? Yeah. Oh, probably a million later on. I don't even know. Number three, handheld vacuum. Yes. Uh, the, so the dorms at Northwest have vacuums, but they're terrible and they're super old and some dorms don't even have them. So having a handheld vacuum is nice for when you, uh, I don't know, accidentally pull your microwave plate out of your microwave and shatter it all over your carpet. Um, not that 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 happened happened this past semester and was devastating. It's fine. But yeah, having a, having a handheld like dustbuster is a super lifesaver for when your hair, when your floor is just covered in hair because you live with two girls. Like that's, that's the real stuff. Right on. Hand, uh, no, earplugs. Yes, because sometimes your roommate snores or the room next to you, they throw a party. It's Because you at, you can ask somebody before you move in together, like, do you snore? And they'll be like, no. And maybe they do and you just they just don't know it or they lie to you or they snore when they have a cold. Or it's just loud or annoying. So having earplugs is nice so you can get sleep before a big test. Bose, you know, Bose has those new ones that play music to kind of mask somebody snoring. Do you think you could, and they're supposed to be in-ear, do you think you would prefer to have something playing or just plug it up so you can't hear anything? I can sleep with silence, so I just use regular ones, but I also sleep with a fan on, which also helps for ambient noise outside of the room. Um, So white noise probably could help, but I can do without it. Justin says he tried to catch himself snoring once, stayed up all night, but couldn't confirm it. <laughs> hey, listen, yeah, I'm to the point now I can hear myself as I'm drifting off to sleep. <laughs> if I lay on my back and I put my head up under the pillow, which is super comfortable for me, as I'm drifting off, I can hear myself snoring. And then I'm like, okay, I need to turn over. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yes, it can yeah, be Yeah, you done. can snore with the best of them. It's me? impressive. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, wall coverings. Ah, yes. Dorm walls are notoriously plain white and usually cement bricks. So bring something to cover your wall to dampen that echo that comes with an empty cement dorm room, but also to give some personality and some liveliness. I have like a net of fairy lights that I cover the wall with, but you can also get like super cheap tapestries. You can get posters. 
uh, for a while I had a bunch of news clippings up on the wall just as like inspiration or ideas. If if we bought you one of those photo frames that was constantly rotating pictures through, is that is that interesting for a college student to have? Uh, I think so. Think- yeah, I print regular photos, but I think that's also nice uh, if you so you can add new photos to it, and so that way you can just have reminders of home and family and friends and pets. I miss Pippin a lot when I'm at school, so I have lots of pictures of him Actually, on my bulletin board. That would be to get a photo frame that's tied to a cloud account where mom and dad are constantly taking pictures at home and then updating that cloud account. And they would just that's automatically. That's super dangerous if your parents are mischievous, but also a good idea. <laughs> or make a terrible mistake. <laughs> They'll just put goofy faces and just embarrass you in front of your friends. It's great. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. All your baby pictures of your bare butt. You that's, know? That's yep. exactly what I was that's thinking. exactly where my brain went. Yep. Uh, a coffee maker? Oh, if you are addicted to coffee, there's there's usually Starbucks or scooters on scooters if you're in the Midwest on campuses, but that gets expensive after a long time. And most people, I would say, develop caffeine addictions in college. So if you like coffee, get your own coffee maker. It'll save you a bunch of money. And then you don't have to leave bed to get coffee. You can just turn it on. Like if you have a Keurig, you can just put it next to your bed and turn it on. Would, uh, would but you, I am, would you I'm do a, a Keurig? You're tea, right? I'm so a tea you, drinker, so I have an electric kettle that sits on my desk yeah, you're pretty dedicated I- to it too like tea is a whole thing i like yeah. there's a whole subculture around tea Tea it's is a crazy. whole thing but i'm pretty low-key with the tea i usually just drink like after like i started with the herbal teas because tea is an acquired taste kind of like coffee but event now i'm just on like straight black tea i drink it with no sugar no milk i'll drink either decaf earl gray or english breakfast in the morning but the, it's super the, good uh, do you, do you make it and smoke it? No. Okay. Let's not go there. A uh, mattress topper. Yes. Dorm beds are terrible and awful. And maybe even if you live in an apartment, the bed is probably awful. So I have like an inch thick um, memory foam. It's like, it's got like cooling gel in it. So that way it doesn't overheat. And that will make any mattress feel so much better to just put a topper on it and maybe even like a slip cover over it. So that way, if somebody spills something on your bed or whatever, that way you don't stain the mattress topper or your mattress because then you get fined for that. Mike, did you ever live in the dorms? Oh yeah. All four years. Yeah. Any, 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 any tips you'd add in here that, that you pulled out of the, of living in there? I was there? trying to think of that, of the ones that uh, have a favorite cup, get your cup that's mm-hmm. your cup that no one else can use. This is my cup. Yep. See, it's a newspaper. Shout and, out oh, to Phil and Bree cool. who got me this for Christmas. I love it. The New York Times one or New mm-hmm. York Journal. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a fake newspaper. Fake newspaper one. Cup, gotcha. but it looks like a newspaper. Yeah, great. have your cup. That's my biggest thing was have mm-hmm. your cup. Um, and I don't know. I always ran. This is just the nerd in me. I ran my own Wi-Fi. I didn't want the campus Wi-Fi. I wanted my own. So I would plug in. I would send an email to our IT department, give them the mm-hmm. MAC address of the router, and tell them it's an Xbox. And then that way, it got registered on their network, so then I could have my own router. And then we could have all of our own LAN stuff privately. That's so we had a printer amazing. and everything. Yeah, internally. Yeah. So I was like the nerd of our group. Everyone loved it. Um, so I, I did that. Um, but yeah, yeah the you're right. The crazy thing about Northwest is we must have fiber or something because Northwest Wi-Fi is faster than anybody's home Wi-Fi. Like That's both really me cool. and my friend Andrew were complaining about how when we go home for the summer, we're like, internet at home is so slow. Like, especially when you first get there, because newspaper staff, we come to campus a week early to start covering the news because we're crazy. Um, and that first week when nobody's on campus, the internet is so fast. And even once everybody comes on campus, we're like, where where are they getting this super fast internet from? That's super cool. Yeah. 
So I, I love high speeds. And then it was also that this was right around the time when smart home stuff was starting to happen and you needed to have your own network local network. Right. And so that was like, well, we can't do this. Like we can't all have this local network with, with campus Wi-Fi. So we yeah. had to create our own. So we had a little hack around there, but that's the, super the, nerdy. The mattress topper is totally awesome. Totally agree with that. I'm trying to think of anything else, but I think you covered literally all, all the best aspects so while, while we're talking about this um, <laughs> oh. let me put this let me put this up so sarah Mom said, this, is, this is our marine and they they didn't have a good vacuum for their yeah. uh for their room tim's, either tim's roommate was complaining about mom walking on the carpet with her shoes on because they were not letting anybody walk on the rug with shoes on because they didn't have a vacuum and so mom bought them a bought tim a dustbuster for his birthday and mailed it to him in California. that's funny <laughs> super funny so just funny that that would uh, that would pop up while yeah. we were while we were talking That's about Sammy okay. final final one something that motivates you. Oh yeah, that was I was like I want ten to round it out, and I was thinking about how over my desk at school I have like some drawings from some friends, like my staffer the week award. I have a bulletin board of my friends and family, but above that I have. Uh, uh, an editorial cartoon from Jeff Katerba that dad gave me as a going away present before I left. And it's, um, it's a bunch of people holding up newspapers and phones and magazines. And it's a standing up for journalism. And Jeff Katerba is a huge advocate for journalists. He's the best. He's a family friend. Um, and that, that cartoon just kind of reminds me of why I do it to remember the people. And so that way, when you're having those things around you that remind you of kind of who you are and what you're about and why you're at school really helps when it's 3 a.m. and you're working on a paper you procrastinated and you're like, I just want to quit. Why did I come here? What does this class even mean? What's the point anymore? And you're just like questioning like life and existence. It's nice to have those things around you that ground you and remind you of why you're there so you can push through and persevere and get that that maybe not an A, probably B if you're procrastinating it till 3 a.m. You can pass that class and you can get that degree and remember why you did it and not lose sight of who you are along the way. That is such a cool idea. I actually, I never would have thought of that as advice to a college student. It's, it's so perfect though, because one thing now that I think back is throughout your college years too, even, you know, it doesn't even be something you bring into college, but something you, you develop through college, get something that you will take away when you graduate and that will remind you of your times there and what was important to you. So when we were in college, we had this, this table, cheap target table, sat in our room all four years, but it would always be if you had like, we have a big, the center of it is actually a big army, uh, the, whatever the, what do you call it? The symbol for the army. Cause one of our guys was ROTC all four years. And so his sticker is right in the middle. And then we all put these stickers. And then if you ever came over and if you hung out with us in our room and you like, you know, partied, hung out, whatever, we had all these permanent markers on the table and everyone would just sign it. And so we have this tabletop. So when I graduated, I didn't want the whole table, but I unscrewed the top and it is literally on my workbench. And I see it every single day when I get in my car and I leave and has all the signatures of everyone in college, has all the stickers, it has the army one in the middle. So I see that. I think of Steve and he's out in California. I see all the, we had, we were in the long boarding. So we have all these long boarding stickers. Like it's just, but it's, it's so cool. So get something that reminds you uh, of your college days, something that it's, it's memorable for you and take it with you. Cause you'll love that. Like I, I look back on it. It's so cool to see every single day. Uh, even, you know, I don't know it's special to me, cool right? Idea. Like, yeah, Hannah thinks it's junk, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And <laughs> her, I'm such a visual signature's person. On it. She was one of the OGs. She was like one of the That's first so girls funny. to hang out with us freshman year. So it's always special. Been. Yeah, because yeah. I just was like sitting in my dorm, like trying to write this article out. And I'm just like looking around and I look up and I'm like, that's why I'm here. 
always remember that. That's yeah. so cool. That's such good advice. S- super good advice. And good to keep those things too in the past as a reminder of, of those times you went through it. And, yeah. And uh, I have this bulletin board behind me with a bunch of stuff from middle school and high school. So I can remember what I went through and like, I have my diploma up here on my desk just to remind me of like that time was really hard and it was worth it. But like, there was also like good stuff too. So I have a bunch of photos and like pins and memorabilia. I wonder if my best friend has that same thought when he sees his ex-girlfriend's signature on that board. When he <laughs> my house. Oh, that was hard times, but I got uh, through it. Oh, I made it through. We will persist, right? <laughs> so you learn something from the situation. You do. Oh, you yeah. always do. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's a fantastic idea. I never would have thought of that. Sammy, in the future, if people want to follow you on Twitter, how do they, or what's the best ways to kind of follow you? I'm sure there's Um, some folks. It depends on why you want to follow me. So for journalism stuff, that's my Twitter at Sammy Collison, S-A-M-M-I-E-C-O-L-L-I-S-O-N. I post, I retweet all of my stories. I retweet journalism stuff. And sometimes I just retweet opinions because occasionally I have them um, publicly. But I also am a knitter and a crocheter. Uh, that's what I do with 90% of my free time. I watch Critical Role and I knit blankets or socks. So my Instagram is Sammy Knits, S-A-M-M-I-E Knits on Instagram. Uh, and I post, I don't post as frequently on there. I post in my story quite a bit of like progress photos and final photos of things that I make. That's my primary hobby that I do in my free time when I'm just being human, Sammy, when the journalism hat is off. Um, I think that's about it. I have a Tumblr, but nobody knows about that. That's, that's your thing that's right? just personal nobody from my real life gets to know that's, about that that's your that is your world yeah. mike sammy's first time podcasting what What do you think i think with? you're a natural i think i, I think, appreciate that i think you if if this is any indication on how you do journalism uh i want to read your stuff so i'm going to be following you on all the social medias it's some Thank pretty great stuff I, i'm not a big news reader but i read and i'm her dad so I, i'm really supposed hard. to but i do it I do it anyways. While we're if, wrapping uh, up, I'm going to see if I can find that photo. I have a stack of newspapers from this semester, so let's see oh, if I can nice. find she it. Was, she, she prepped, too. Like She, she prepped yeah. for this podcast. It wasn't just oh, coming in half-assed no, like I do most of the time. Nope. I found it. <laughs> Here's the photo from A1 of the prayer circle that I took on my phone. You can probably maybe see in the corner. It says, Sammy Colson. Yeah. yeah. My co-byline. Yeah, yep, I keep cool. I keep a copy of every paper that I'm in. Um, even though it's all online, it's nice to have the physical copies and be like, I did that. I wrote that. It's it is it yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and in the tough times, you know, because everyone like you're gonna look back like, no, like look, right? Like look at my work mm-hmm. and you're gonna it'll remind yourself of it. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, and it, it it reminds me that like somebody picked up a physical paper and looked at it and like because i i have some input in design and i have some input in other people's content especially now that i'm an editor an editor so it just feels it's nice to have a physical product from all of your effort that's why i knit and crochet because at the end of the day you can be like look at this thing that i made with my hands it makes you feel like your time was worth it and Sammy, you've been using that Jabra headset. That's the one we talked about when Micah was on here a couple of weeks ago. It's about 78, 79 bucks on Amazon. You've sounded great. How did it feel? Feels great. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, didn't that sound, didn't that sound pretty good? Sounds really good. Especially for the USB headsets. We've had a lot of guests come on with those. This yeah. one sounds high quality, which I've yeah. had that one. I've never been able to hear what it sounds like on the receiving end. Sounds, yeah. sounds great. No, it's, it's super cool. I can't hear myself. So I'm trusting you guys. No, oh, no, you sound great. You got to get that way down on your chin. So, cause it mm-hmm. will pick up your breathing. And, yeah. Uh, we were struggling with that one, testing it. 
back in the days when I had a headset and I was podcasting, I used to breathe out the side of my mouth like that. <laughs> oh, like the chocolate rain guy? Is that too old of an internet? Chocolate reference? rain. Yes. You remember chocolate rain guy? <laughs> oh, I you love chocolate from rain the mic guy. to breathe. Yes. yes. Oh man. See, it's funny as you but two I'm are closer thrilled. in age than I yeah. am to her. And so you guys, there's a lot more references. I've been on YouTube oh, a God. long time. I don't know if you remember who Mika Kitty is. Oh, but, I don't. Um, she did that video with Nanalu, the the sale music video remake with the the hose where she's like dancing in the rain. Yeah, now she, I know what you're talking about. She produces music now, and I just bought a ticket to her first headlining tour. And I was like, I've been following her since like 2011. Like I've been on YouTube so long. Right. That's so cool. Yeah, so, so long. Seeing geez. those people yeah, that you follow, so you know. Yeah, it's, and it's, then they they start on they started on YouTube before there was AdSense before you can make money off of it. Now yeah. that's their career, and I'm like, I watched you grow up. That's me with MKBHD. So he's a tech guy, right, Marquez mm-hmm. Brownlee, and I've followed him on YouTube since um, I think my senior year of high school, and it, now it's like now he's this big shot. And it's super yeah. cool. You you almost feel like you know them as a friend, like oh, like yeah, yeah, they're my buddy. Yeah, they're my buddy. Come up, like yeah. I know when like they that. just had 10,000 subs. Yeah, right, you know. people do brag about Before that. Like, I've been here since 100,000 or whatever it's craziness. I remember when there wasn't even a subscription button there to smash. I remember when a million subscribers was, was a lot. Now That's people are true. bleeding 3 million subscribers after one video. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sammy, one of the things as we as we wrap it, um, you know, we've I've gotten kind of famous over the last uh oh, I don't know, year or so about yeah, talking famous. about HelloFresh. No, no, no. no. <laughs> famous on the podcast, ah. on this podcast, for talking about HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. And uh one of the things I enjoy the most when you come home for the summer is you kind of get the meals kicked off. Like you you kick them off, and actually a couple nights. Even I do the whole thing by myself. You do the whole thing. Like you, you have it in and done how I, for one, it's been great for me to, I've enjoyed, I mean, I love cooking them with mom, mm-hmm. but I really, I, I like also cooking them with you, but how is that process for you? I mean, as you think about, have, have you learned new things through it? Has it been, has it been one of those kinds of things you like to do? I mean, certainly yeah. you don't give us any trouble, but. No, I love doing it. Cause I was always a baker growing up. I was better at that. Cause it was so exact and prescriptive. Um, I'm not very good at improvising when it comes to food. I don't trust myself. And so it's kind of like that prescriptive nature when it comes, but there's a little bit of wiggle room for you to learn stuff. So it's kind of been nice because I kind like I always cooked with mom. So I kind of knew how to cook, but I had never like taken the reins myself. And so I didn't trust myself and trust my instincts. And now like when I, when I start dinner, I have the game plan. I have the map. I do the bulk of the work. And so I am more confident in my abilities as a cook that even if I throw away the recipe card and kind of recreate something, I I trust that I know how to do it and that it'll taste good. And I also am way less afraid of cooking meat now because I'm super I was super afraid of poisoning my family and I haven't done it. So and I'm <laughs> weirdly true. better than dad at cooking chicken on the stove. So yeah. The more you know. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I can't I can't do it. And she's doing it really, really well. Sarah has gotten really good at cooking on the stove, you know, grilling yeah. uh well or Dad's like, can I just take it outside and put it on the grill? I just want to get it on the grill. By the way, I replaced all my grill in innards this weekend, went down, bought a new, uh, and, and we're going to get Mike and Mark back on the program here in a couple weeks to talk about some of the grill tech. But, uh, Mike, I replaced all the innards of my grill, the, the, the burner, uh, put, uh, some brick down. I put some, I'm trying shields, the little heat shields, you know, the little, 
the little tents on yeah. those for the first time. And uh, man, so I, I've got some cooking to do. We're doing steaks this weekend for my birthday. So oh, happy early birthday. Yeah, yeah, thank you. The allards of the that that grill though are older than me. <laughs> it yeah. is vintage it, it is true it is a, it is a vintage grill well if you uh if you still haven't tried HelloFresh and you want to i've got plenty of coupons to be able to get it done they should be email. paying you for this man <laughs> it's okay jim at the Adver- free advertising because i believe in it so okay. much like i mean i love driving back and forth from from you know northwest missouri state back home with you but it's super fun to cook with you like i have really i enjoy that part of it and and we've gotten to that point now. Same with mom, where I'm like, okay, what do I do? Like I came and I'm in the like, other night. Do the pasta. <laughs> I came in the other night, and you were like, make the crema. And I'm like, all right, so here we go. All the stuff's Started. in the bowl. Put it together. So it was, uh, it was, it was super cool. Sammy, thanks for for coming on. I you did great. And thanks uh, again for, for your, having me. This is super yeah, fun. For your I, first podcast, I, I had a feeling that I would like podcasting, but now I'm sure that I like podcasting. Yeah, no, I think you'd be good at it. We we kind of need to continue to think through. We'll probably have it back on the show before the summer's over. Yes. Uh, got anything else you want to ask tech. me about? Talk about some tech stuff. And uh, and so thanks for coming on. I'll remind folks, if you want to support the show financially, you can do that through Patreon. By the way, uh, someone I think Justin had mentioned earlier in the program, you know, Patreon could be a source for journalists, independent journalists, right, for people who follow them. So that's kind of a model that could take place. Uh, certainly YouTube views and AdSense is another way to do it. It's Sammy, it's tough when you think about as soon as you start taking money from people, do you get clouded? And I think one of the things I know about you is you just wouldn't care. You're like, hey, if you're going to give me money, that's great. I'm not going to say anything different just because you're giving me money. Yeah, well, I um, I mean, if I did accept money that I wouldn't change my views, but I also, we kind of had a, an, a discussion with one of our staff members. She's a photographer. She's talking about, oh, well, a lot of these places do, they'll do sponsored posts on their website where they'll take money just to do that one post and maybe they'll feature a product. And I said, no, absolutely not. We're not doing that. That damages our integrity. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I think if you, you want to support journalism and you really believe in it, especially in super in-depth investigative journalism, buy a subscription to your local paper. That really helps people out. That shows that you care. That shows that you're a regular reader and that puts money directly in our pockets rather than via advertisers who will threaten to pull out if we post anything vaguely controversial. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Imagine that newspapers weird Best. controversial. Yeah. Imagine that join our discord discord group, the average guy.tv slash discord. Send me an email, Jim at the average guy.tv. Uh, you can track me on Twitter at Jay Collison. Mike is at Uyghur tech. You can find him there. The average guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove partners, get secure, reliable, high speed hosting, from people that you know and you trust, and that's Christian. They're they're running some new upgrades out there this uh, this year, this summer as well that Christian was talking about, and I I'm just amazed at what him and Gary are doing there in that. If you need a hosting website, uh, they plans as little as ten bucks, and they're awesome dudes to work with. MapleGrovePartners.com. We appreciate their support by hosting everything we do here. I don't I haven't been down, Mike, in I can't remember the last time. I had a, I really had some, they take it down for maintenance from time to time, yeah. but, I, but uh, super great. Never knows to be down. Ever. Yeah, no, super great. Don't forget, you can download us on the app. And if you haven't done that yet, homegadgetgeeks.com, a great way to do that and to have it on your phone ready to go. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern 
out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We'll be back next week. we got a barbecue show coming up. Aaron's coming back uh, here in a little bit. I haven't scheduled that yet, but she will be back as well. Lots of stuff to talk about. Summer is here. I've got some lawn tech stuff coming up. You'll want to stay and come out and listen live. Uh, thanks to those who did come out tonight, Brian and Joe and Ron and uh, Ken was out there earlier. Mark was as well. Thanks for coming out tonight. With that, we'll say good night, everybody. <laughs>